Welcome to episode eight of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. This week, we welcome back Adrian Espinoza to the show. Adrian, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, little, little, been a little while since we've uh, last talked. Yeah, dude. And um, well, lots, a lot's been happening as, uh, as we'll soon talk about. Yeah, man. A lot, a, a lot of good games. Uh, one of which we'll definitely be going through today. So. Uh, Adrian just recently finished Spider-Man on PS4 and got the Platinum Trophy, as did I. So we're both going to be giving our full impressions on the game. The first half of our discussion will be spoiler-free, and the second half will be a full spoiler cast for those of you who have finished the game and want to hear a bit more. I'll make sure to give ample notice beforehand, so if you have not yet finished or played Spider-Man on PS4 in general, don't worry, I'll warn you ahead of time. You can check the timestamps in the show notes below the episode in your podcast feed to see where we begin spoiler discussion. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to let you know where you can find In Your Element online. Um, Website is inyourelementpodcast.com. That's where you can go to find all of the current, uh, sorry, the last three episodes, and then all social media stuff is there as well as all the platform links. Instagram is at inyourelementpodcast. Twitter is at iyepodcast. And visit patreon.com slash inyourelement and support at any level to receive bonus episodes early gain access to the In Your Element Discord server, be eligible for monthly giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. And if you have any questions or comments, email me at hello at inyourelementpodcast.com. I'll answer your questions on the next episode of In Your Element. Let's jump into some news for the week. We've got some really big topics to cover today. The first of which is the fiasco surrounding Telltale Games. If you haven't heard, Telltale went through massive company-wide layoffs last Friday, September 21st, and are in the midst of closing the studio. As more light has been shed on the situation, we found that they've laid off almost 275 individuals from the company. They currently have around 25 employees staying behind to finish up a contract they have with Netflix for Minecraft Story Mode. According to many previous employees at Telltale, who took to Twitter furiously this past week, the writing has been on the walls at Telltale for some time now. I want to give everybody a brief timeline of what's transpired over the past year and a half, or so at the company. Um, This information comes from over at GameSpot. So beginning in March of 2017, so last year, Telltale CEO and founder Kevin Brunner announces he is leaving the company. It is later reported that Brunner was forced out as he clashed with the company's board of directors. Telltale's other co-founder, Dan Connors, takes over as interim CEO. Uh, September of 2017, so about a year ago uh, today, Telltale hires former Zynga executive Pete Hawley to become the company's next CEO. Before Zynga, um, they're famous for a lot of those mobile games. Hawley was a production lead at Fable Studio Lionhead, working alongside Peter Molyneux and that series from 1993 to 2003. He then spent time with Sony from 2003 to 2005 and then EA from 2005 to 2010. In November of 2017, one of Hawley's first major moves as CEO of Telltale is enacting a huge round of layoffs in which the company cut 25% of its workforce, which amounted to around 90 people at the time. The layoffs impacted all divisions at Telltale and were part of Telltale's ambition to become more competitive as a developer and publisher. Fast forward to December of 2017, Telltale CEO Pete Hawley talks to GamesBeat about the layoffs and the future of Telltale. He rejects the idea that Telltale is in trouble, stating he feels the company is in really good shape and the layoffs are necessary uh, to help Telltale succeed in the future, um, he said at the time. And then moving back to March earlier this year, 
A deeply sourced report from The Verge alleges that Telltale operates under a culture of heavy expected crunch pushed by toxic management. Among the many shocking claims in the report is that employees worked as many as 18 hours per day, weeks on end. This all took place over the course of one year. Keep in mind. Following the reports of overworked employees in March, that brings us right up to the events that took place this last Friday, September 21st. This again from GameSpot. September 21st, 2018. According to reports, Telltale Games holds a meeting where it informs more than 200 developers that they were losing their jobs right then and there. According to Variety, employees were given paper paychecks for pay throughout the end of the day. They reportedly were instructed to leave the building within 30 minutes. Employees were allowed back in for a period of three hours on the following Monday to collect personal belongings. And the affected staffers received no severance pay and their health care cover reportedly only extended to the end of this month. Management told employees that they should consider applying for unemployment benefits. So pretty crazy stuff. Um, this to me is just unbelievable from a company the size of Telltale Games. I understand they started at this as this small indie darling, but they've grown well beyond that over the past few years into something that arguably shouldn't be, uh, you know, treating their employees this way. And the fact that they would just drop that news on their employees without any notice at all is just simply irresponsible. Yeah. Um, a former employee, uh, I, I was browsing on Twitter. Um, they noted that some of the employees started just a week prior to these layoffs at Telltale, uh, one of which even relocated across the country for that position, uh, which is baffling to me. These are real people with real families living in one of the most expensive cities in the country in San Francisco, trying to make ends meet. Uh, It's a shame that things went down the way they did. Since then, there's been a class action lawsuit filed against Telltale, and they have pulled the season pass for The Walking Dead, the final season, from all digital storefronts. There are currently no plans for the remaining two episodes of The Walking Dead, the final season. Although they have announced that multiple potential partners are interested in giving Clementine's Tale a proper finish. Um, Telltale plans to give an update into their current portfolio in the coming weeks. Um, I know that's a lot of information to digest that I just went through, but Adrian, what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, dude, what, like, what can you say? You know, when you, when you read all of that and knowing the people that were affected, it's just heartbreaking. It's right. like you... <sighs> It's so crazy because I, I was going reading through everything as that happened as well. And like over and over, you continue to see something and you're like, no way. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's really happening. And you continue to read and it just like continues to get more astonishing. The more yeah. that you read, the more info that you start to uncover. And this is just what we know, right? right. This is just been right. what, what's revealed to the public. We don't, there's so much that's not seen and you know, so much that this company's probably gone through that we have no idea. And it's just crazy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was reading earlier too, that the, um, the CEO, they, the previous CEO, the founder of the company is trying to bring a lawsuit against them too, uh, basically just for, um, the way that they handled everything. I mean, it, it's, it was his company to begin and just to watch it drive this, this plane basically into the ground is just, it's gotta be really frustrating as, uh, as, a developer as somebody who owned that company oh, yeah. in the past. I, I can't even imagine. Um, but I, I really do truly feel so bad for all of these people that uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to get back up on their feet and they will find positions because they're extremely talented over there at telltale. Um, I mean, they've done such great work in terms of pushing the, 
the story medium forward for a lot of these games, these narrative driven games. Mm. I have no doubt that these guys will get back up on their feet and girls, uh, of course, um, finding a position. But in the meantime, man, I can't imagine just being dropped uh, one day, having a position the next day, not. And then 30 minutes. Yeah, man. Trying to figure that all out. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one thing I did want to bring up, um, if you are listening and you are a developer and you're looking to hire, um, the hashtag uh, telltale jobs is going around like crazy on Twitter right now. So you can find um, people there uh, that are going to be giving out the positions that are offering these positions. So it's really nice to see this community come together and really uh, try and shelter these people uh, as they, as they get back up on their feet. Have you read some of their messages? Like, yeah, man, like yes. Corey Barlog. That was cool. Yeah. That was just so cool. Especially considering like, He's kind of been uh, in the forefront as of late mm-hmm. because of God of War's recent mm-hmm. success. And so to see like so many people that you kind of admire or, you know, you just you see reach out for this situation. It's just such a cool thing to see everybody come together for that. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, such a love. It's good. It really is. And it's it's great to see. I mean, it really is a huge gaming community is is one that's very special. And, and I don't think a lot of other mediums really that tight knit of a community. I mean, developers interacting with the people playing their games on Twitter. Um, to me, that, that's just amazing. I tweeted out the other day after finishing um, the Spider-Man Platinum um, and I, I tagged Brian Intihar, the creative director over there at Insomniac, and he liked the post. And it's just, to me, oh, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, man, it's crazy that, that the, you know, these are, of course, they're real people, just like everybody else, just like you and I. But um, the fact that they they interact so closely with the community and I mean, you know, a lot of these developers reach out and collaborate with their community, look at Bungie and how they how they treat Destiny 2 and um, how they've always been so in, well, not so in tune with the community, but they try to make (laughs) (laughs) they try to be in tune with the community. Yeah, they hold meetings, they have people come over. We've seen stuff with other like bigger like YouTube personalities get invited. Right, right. have, Have them involved in some way. I totally get you. Right. I, I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I, I really do just think that we have a, a really special community uh, in in gaming just in general. Um, and so it's nice to see a lot of these people, uh, you know, opening their their homes, if you will, in terms of their uh, places of work and inviting these people in, yeah. uh, no, you know, knowing that they're talented individuals that that absolutely deserve to be in those positions, too. Um, as I was doing some research on this, uh, I, I found that there were uh, 10 studios that have closed in the past 12 months, including uh, Visceral, which was a really big loss. Yeah. The, Of course, the creators of Dead Space, Battlefield Hardline, and that unannounced Star Wars game. Cliff Bozinski's uh, studio, Boss Key Productions, which were in charge of Radical Heights and Lawbreakers. Uh, remember, Radical Heights was their like last ditch effort to try and cash in on lawbreakers that wasn't doing well. So they kind of just threw together this battle Royale trying to uh, compete against Fortnite. And I think it was hot for like a day when it was in beta. Yeah. Um, a few streamers hopped over there and it was, it was number one for a split second. And then um, it, it's, they just lost support and it was sad because it, it looked cool. It looked like a, an interesting spin on the, the battle Royale genre. But um, again, they ended up closing down. Um, most recently, Capcom Vancouver, uh, they're the creators of the Dead Rising series. They shut down. And those are just to name a few. Uh, what do you think this means for the development scene now? I mean, with a lot of these big companies closing their doors. 
Dude, it's it's kind of scary because one, obviously, it's just heartbreaking to see so many people losing their jobs. But two, um, like these are all different companies that do very different games. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's yeah. just it's sad to see when you have somebody with such an idea. You know what I mean? A group of people with such an idea that go for something, and mm-hmm. to see that really cool idea spark, and then to see it kind of fall, it's it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. It's super yeah. heartbreaking. I almost so. wonder if there's just so much pressure these days for a lot of these companies to put out uh, exceptional games. I mean, oh, if you dude. look, if you Complete. look at, yeah, look at the last two years in gaming. I mean, we've got this just this year alone: God of War, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Detroit: Become Human on PlayStation. We've got Red Dead coming out soon. We've got. Uh, Octopath earlier this year on Switch. We've got uh, Super Smash Brothers and Pokemon Let's Go coming out this fall for Switch. Um, I'm missing so many. Uh, oh yeah, There's tons so many. of tons of indie games. Celeste. Um, you know, those are just this year. Those games are pushing the the boundaries and pushing that that triple A. Some of those games being indie, but really pushing what people expect out of a game. I think uh, we've gotten really. Um, spoiled over the past few years with these exceptional games and games are becoming so much more cinematic now and people are really you seeing these big big budget games and it's it's hard if you're a development studio that's not able to produce that quality of game dude yeah uh, i mean i i can only imagine it's already such a cutthroat uh industry in terms of just putting these games out um so it's it's sad to see these studios shutting their doors but again sometimes they end up getting picked up those projects move over to other studios and um maybe yeah we'll i mean see we some- uh we're seeing um what's the game called i just forget it it um the third game in the series that i'm totally forgetting the name of <laughs> and that i've been really excited about oh darksiders there we oh, go oh yeah darksiders yeah they got picked up right darksiders was one that should have been um, from what I remember, it should have been buried, and that mm-hmm. was it. And they mm-hmm. got somehow revived, and they the same. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, it's pretty much the same exact team that was working on the last few games. They got to continue doing what they're doing. So, and now that's coming out like really soon. Yeah, right? November. Like, I want to say right. Yeah, I thought it was, it was like late next month or sometime November. I know it's before the end of the year. Yeah, but oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's possible. So I mean, there's hope out there. Mm-hmm. No. yeah one other one other interesting piece of information uh, around the telltale stuff is a lot of their announced games or upcoming games are clearly going to be going unfinished the most recent one being the walking dead the final season so that was supposed to be a four episode game that's wrapping up this whole uh walking dead story arc that they've started all the way back since the original one uh, and and they've only finished the second episode, which just came out earlier this week, and that's it. That's the end of what they're producing. Um, it they did say that they're you know looking at potential partners that are going to pick that other two episode, um, uh, those other two episodes up to try and finish them. Um, but but all of these other unannounced games that they had, uh, the Wolf Among Us two, that one I was looking forward to. What's going to happen with that property? Um, the Stranger Things game that they were they partnered with Netflix on. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Netflix is trying to find another uh, studio, but who knows? We may never see that game either. Um, but the the most uh, 
alarming thing about this whole telltale shutdown and uh, from the gamer side, from the consumer side, is the idea of a season pass and buying the season pass ahead of time in uh, kind of a, a digital promise that you're going to receive those goods one day. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to all these people that did pick up the season pass for The Walking Dead, the final season, but they're out two episodes right now and they may not ever see those episodes and they've yeah. paid for that whole season pass ahead of time. So um, what do you what do you think about that in terms of companies selling digital passes? Is this going to tarnish the digital season pass a bit? Because, um, I mean, I could see a small studio that maybe doesn't have a great track record. Um, if that were to happen to them, sure, I understand it's maybe a smaller team. They weren't able to handle that workload or, or whatever circumstances came up and that game goes under. But this is Telltale Games. I mean, they're not a AAA studio, but they're pretty damn close to that now in terms of all of the properties that they've racked up over the last years. Oh, yeah, dude. Their name has been like everywhere. You know what I mean? For the last mm-hmm. few years, you everybody knows more than likely people that play games, uh, video games, typically know a tall tale game, especially like yeah. The Wolf Among Us or mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. You, you're going to yeah. know one of the two, even like the Batman one. The Batman one was Batman. popular when it was out. Uh, they did Game of Thrones, Tales from the Borderlands. They did. Jeez, yeah. uh, what else? Yeah, you named Wolf Among Us. Um they had a so ton many. of properties. Didn't they yeah. have the Guardians of the Galaxy one? Guardians of the Galaxy, right. And I and never played that one, and I wanted I to. I didn't either. I wanted to as well. I, I definitely got burnt out on a lot of those games because, you know, they once you experience the first Walking Dead season... That's that kind one, of like the spark. That, yeah, that right. one, they yeah. really had something special then. And then I think they just got too big too quickly. And, um, you know, the, the quality of the games wasn't at that same threshold. They were yeah. notoriously plagued with a lot of bugs and their engine was just very outdated by the time the new generation of consoles rolled around. And I know that they were looking to wrap up these these last few projects on the old engine and then move everything over and rebuild everything from the ground up. At least that was what the uh, the the dream was over at the studio. So it's it's really sad to see that they didn't make it to that that end goal. Uh, because I, I really think that they 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 were a special studio. They had a group of very, very talented people working there. And it's kind of a bummer that we'll never get to see them like fulfill their their destiny, if you will. So uh, here's the uh the kind of like my thought process on that because they you know they like you talked about earlier, they had multiple potential partners in order to possibly look into finishing The Walking Dead. Now, do you think that's just like contractors that they're hiring just to kind of push it through to the end and finish the last two episodes? It's, I mean, it's very possible. I could see, I could see a a a double A type studio picking them up and and just finishing up those last couple of games. I don't know though. Like, do they get their engine? Do they get their assets? Are they rebuilding everything from the ground up over there? Who knows? Well, it then sounds- the other like dark, like I don't know if I want to say like darker side maybe like the more tragic whole situation about this is like do you would you rather see them work to you know potentially finish the walking dead or use those finances or resources to instead help the employees that they all laid off you right know what i mean yeah it, it gives you like a double-edged sort of like I yeah mean, <laughs> it's it, it's not our decision to make of course no, yeah. Um, 
I, I mean, it's very selfish of us, to, you know, a, a lot of people that are giving backlash to this, like, oh, well, you know, this is so annoying. We're never going to see what happens to Clem, but not taking into account that these are real people's lives that were affected yeah. um, by this whole situation. So I know that there is a uh, class action lawsuit that's been brought against Telltale Games by a former employee, and they've got a group of people that are basically bringing up that there's some sort of law that was broken where they were supposed to give 60 days of notice and they're going to have to basically back pay all of these people. But then you run into the situation of what money are they going to pay them from because they're broke. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I really just hope that these people get back up on their feet as quickly as possible. Again, that um, the the hashtag is uh, hashtag telltale jobs on Twitter, on social media. Uh, so make sure to spread that around so these people can get back and uh, get to get to doing what they do best. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the second big piece of news, uh, which is broke yesterday morning. Um, this coming from the official PlayStation blog. Sony has finally enabled crossplay and cross progression for Fortnite. Woo! Part of this, <laughs> super hype. Uh, part of the statement from the blog reads: The first step will be an open beta beginning today, which was yesterday. For Fortnite, that will allow for cross-platform gameplay, progression, and commerce across PlayStation 4, Android, iOS, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, Microsoft Windows, and Mac operating systems. So nuts. Mm-hmm. I know. We never thought we'd see the day. Uh, we see the beta as an opportunity to conduct thorough testing that ensures cross-platform play is best on PlayStation, while being mindful about the user experience from both a technical and social perspective. So I can indeed confirm that this is live as I currently have all of my progression and skins from my PS4 account on my Switch. Um, this is truly exciting news as uh, as as we both know um, and everybody knows uh, that have been talking about this on social media for the past like six months or so. And I think <laughs> that this is a huge turning point for online gaming and the multiplayer landscape going for all the major console players. What are your thoughts? Dude. Bro, it's this is history. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's yes. I don't know any other game that's ever you've ever had the ability to do every all these platforms, like even mobile. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's one thing. It's already big enough to assume that you can play the same online game session with somebody that's on an Xbox and somebody mm-hmm. that's on a PlayStation. But to have it on so many different platforms, a switch which is already, you know, nobody was expecting a Switch when it came out. So it's cool to see its own, like, side of the corner. But to see the fact that you can play on a Switch, right. on an Xbox, on your iPhone, on your right. Galaxy, on your PlayStation, like, it is so... And on your uh, on your PC as well. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I really think that this is, like, a groundbreaking thing and something that has always been, like, a pipe dream for us as gamers. Oh, oh you yeah, know? totally. Completely. Like, Growing up, we just you just knew that you couldn't play with your friends on Xbox if you had a PlayStation. Like it, it is what it is. Dirty we grew Xboxes. up that way. <laughs> ah, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, but we've we've grown to basically just be trapped in these ecosystems and just knew that that's that's how things were. And uh, you know, Microsoft kind of started to open up those floodgates recently with their campaign mm-hmm. of playing with Switch and playing together and uniting these these two. Um, teams that have been rivals for a long time in them in themselves and kind of just left sony in the corner looking like the you know ridiculous kid that, that doesn't want to play with anybody so i think in a way microsoft and nintendo paved the way for this to happen 
in addition to Fortnite just being an absolute phenomenon right now of a game, I don't think there's any other game that could have really pushed or, oh, no. you know, forced Sony's hand on the situation. But I do want to bring up that they said at the moment, this is just going to be affecting Fortnite. There's other games that people have expressed interest for in the past. Uh, one of them being Rocket League, the other one being Minecraft. These are other big games, uh, not the size of Fortnite, but Minecraft at one point was another Minecraft phenomenon. Was like the last, you know, the last big Fortnite. cultural. Yeah, the, if you say Minecraft to your grandma, there's a good chance she knows what that is <laughs> or has heard of it. I think I think we can put Fortnite and Minecraft in the same camp in terms of uh, being just kind of a ubiquitous word that people understand. Um, but Sony hasn't mentioned anything about those uh, games at this time since they're they're kind of just testing the waters here with Fortnite. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that by Sony allowing Fortnite to play with all of the platforms, do you think they're going to have to allow these other games to play? Or do you think that they are going to be able to pick and choose? I mean, of course, this is definitely not going to be the last game, right? This is the first. There is going to... I I can't see it to where there wouldn't be any other games, right? right? I don't I don't necessarily know that it's going to be you know every game, especially you know with exclusives and stuff. Sure. Probably there probably will be like a reigning circle of games mm-hmm. that will have that type of like amazing um, capability. Right. Probably not every multiplayer game around though. It's just I think I think it has to be proven that people are going to play. It like that right fortnite obviously everybody wants to play it like right. you talked about minecraft is a really big game um rocket league is really is actually a pretty big game too and yeah. that was already that was already a game that you could actually play on with people on pc and mm-hmm. and other uh specific um like pc to playstation and whatnot right. so it's like i don't i definitely think that this opens the gate and it's definitely going to happen for other games uh, yeah. i probably would think that it's going to be like a specific group of games though to be honest yeah so that's that's my question is what games and where do they draw the line because if you i mean there's a you can make a case for so many games right what about overwatch what if what if they flip the switch and let overwatch play cross-platform flip, flip. uh what if they what about upcoming games this year fallout 76 i mean that would be an insane game to have multi-platform uh, right around the corner, Red Dead Redemption 2 online. How cool would it be to be able to play those games online? And those are big developers. Those are those are AAA, Rockstar, Bethesda, Blizzard. Is Sony going to say, no, you can't play those games cross-platform because the player base isn't big enough? Uh, where do you draw the line on that? Yeah, that's that's huge. You know? I, still, yeah. I still think there's probably going to be some weird, like, we have to look at the popularity of this game. Sure. And see what the numbers are, who's, who's, who's playing it. Are they willing to play it on a different, you know, console? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, there's so many, there's so many angles to this situation. (laughs) It's actually kind of nuts. I'm very excited to see where it goes for. And I, I agree. I think this is the one and only game we're going to see. I think this is the very beginning and we're going to look back in 10 or 15 years and just see this as a historical turning point moment that forced all of these developers to start playing a little bit nicer together and these console manufacturers to be a little bit tighter knit. That's the beauty of competition. Because, yeah, man. I mean, if you're right, though. If, if Microsoft and Switch hadn't started announcing those types of partnerships, I think that's when the argument started becoming like real, like, heated. oh, yeah. 
Yes, it absolutely was because the argument's could, always been there, but like now yeah. it's real. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, that was that was where I stopped playing Fortnite. I was very much into it, playing with you guys, and that moment where I went onto my Switch and tried to log on and got the message that said, "Hey, sorry, this is already linked to another platform. You can't play here." Uh, was a huge moment for me because I said, "Okay, cool." Well, where do I want to play? Do I want to play on yeah. Switch? Because I've got a bunch of friends over here now that are jumping into Fortnite for the first time, and I'd really like to play with them. Uh, but, oh, I've got all of my friends on PlayStation that I've been playing with, and I have this huge account invested with time and money and all of this on one side. And now, do I want to reinvest that money and buy stuff again on Switch? No. Uh, but do I want to completely abandon my PlayStation 4 account also? No. So I I basically got like option paralysis and thought, all right, well, I just don't want to play anywhere. I ended up buying the Battle Pass on Switch because uh, I was starting to play there more. And then I felt really guilty playing there because I wasn't progressing on my main platform. So it just led me to this really uh, a sticky situation where I didn't want to play on either platform because I didn't know which one was the correct one going forward. And it's nice that now I don't have to worry about that. Um, and just in time for season six, which starts today, um, have you gotten a chance to jump in at all yet? Dude, I haven't, but it looks nuts. Yeah. Those, those shadow cubes. Did you yeah. see that? Yes, it I did. Oh, so insane. Yeah. So some of the highlights from the, the new season six uh, Fortnite um, patch, I guess, is there's new map locations. Of course, every season they have new map locations. There's now pets, which basically look like back bling, but they're little animals that are animated. Uh, and then, of course, the new Battle Pass, which I briefly browsed through this morning before work. And, uh, man, there's some good stuff in there. They actually have a set of, uh, like, wings that come with the Battle Pass now, which look yeah. really dope. So you don't have to buy a $20 skin just to get some Just to get wings. the wings. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm definitely going to hop into that later, um, probably after the show tonight, too. Matt, what's, your, um, what's the last... What's like the end game skin on the battle pass? I haven't even checked. Yeah. So did you, you saw, uh, I think it was yesterday or the, or they teased that character. Which character? It was like a werewolf. Oh, you know what? Yeah. 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 So that, it. so it's, it's another skin that kind of like evolved as you get experience, like the Ragnarok skin last season. It's basically Jonesy, uh, <laughs> like a Jonesy with a different outfit on. Yeah. And then as you get experience, he gets like, more and more into like a werewolf like starts getting hair and starts getting creepy oh okay yeah. i like but, it um uh, yeah it looks good man they they're they're killing it over there um i'm really happy to be back in and feeling like i can actually play the game again and enjoy it and not feel guilty that i'm playing on one platform over the other Completely. Uh, so i think this is going to be big i think the game is is you know maybe not as big as it was a couple months ago but who knows maybe this whole cross play cross progression thing will bring you know lapsed fans like myself back in oh dude i believe it yeah totally so um a couple smaller pieces of news that i just want to touch on before show um a new pokemon has been discovered players all over the world have been spotting a mysterious new pokemon which has appeared immediately after this previous weekend's global community day in pokemon go at first many including myself thought it was a server glitch or a placeholder for a new pokemon that has yet to make it into the game after seeing it everywhere for a few days it seemed intentional then earlier this week, Niantic revealed it to be a new mythical Pokemon named Meltan. It seems this is going to be a crossover between Pokemon Go and the Pokemon Let's Go titles coming out this November. Niantic says more info will be coming in the future. 
On the topic of Pokemon Go, October's Community Day has been revealed to feature Beldum. Beginning October 21st from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, there's also a bonus of one quarter egg hatching distance and lures dropped will last for three hours. Uh, one last bit of Nintendo news here. Dragalia Lost, the new mobile action RPG from Nintendo, is now available on iOS and Android. It was available to preload a couple nights ago and during that time has already hit the top of the App Store in multiple countries, despite even being playable yet. This game features humans and dragons that coexist and you fight through various dungeons with a party or co-op with your friends. There are even going to be raid type events in the future that will require 16 players cooperatively playing together to take down big monsters. Um, the game is a gotcha style mobile game, which are very popular in Japan. They're basically play like Fire Emblem Heroes on mobile, if you're familiar with that, um, in that there's a pool of predetermined characters um, and you pay in-game currency to basically unlock these different characters at random that you can use in the game. Um, an easy way to think of it is like those little quarter machines that you used to play as a kid where you put the quarter in and those little plastic capsules pop out with like little action figures in them and stuff. Um, but they're always random. That's basically what a gotcha game is. Uh, and that's how they work in essence to get these different characters. So I checked it out this morning um, and played probably about 30 minutes or so. And so far, I like what I played. I, I barely scratched the surface on it, but I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Um, Adrian, do you do you like these kind of games? Do you play mobile games at all? Honestly, no. What's crazy <laughs> is yeah. I played Fortnite mobile for the first yeah. time last week with my dad. Right. It was the first time I've ever played a mobile game, I think, since like... Um, since like that coin there was this coin game that was really big like mm -hmm. years ago like iphone 5 that was yeah. like the last time i really truly was playing a mobile game for right. the sake of just playing it uh but that actually sounds pretty cool so I'm yeah check it out. yeah i i'm the same way i think i i used to be pretty big into mobile games for a bit uh but honestly once the switch came along that started to occupy a lot of my like mobile gaming time like i usually would play mobile games on like breaks or lunches and stuff at work and just kind of like here and there on the go and and nothing's really caught my attention. Um, I, I'm, I'd say probably the one game that I play the most on the go still is Hearthstone. Um, but I, I, w I don't consider that a mobile game, like a truly pure mobile game. Yeah. Neither, neither would I consider Fortnite like a mobile game. That's more of just like a way to play an actual console game on the go. But Dude, um, really yeah, uh, this looks exciting. I mean, Nintendo has proven that they're, they're able to make uh, mobile games and, and I think they they kind of bit the bullet and started to make free to play titles because that's what the market uh, wants basically. As as annoying as it is, play games are the hot stuff, and and you know it gets more people into your game. So we'll see how it does. Um, and let's go ahead and move into the feature discussion. So that wraps up the news uh, for this week. And again, the first portion of our discussion is going to be spoiler free. So don't worry if you haven't played or finished the game yet. Uh, after the first portion of the discussion, I'll give everybody fair warning before we move into spoiler territory. And also feel free to refer to the, the timestamps in the show notes in your podcast player to see when the spoilers begin if you would like to avoid them. Without further ado, Spider-Man. Uh, Adrian, let's start with what everybody's been asking, and that is how does it feel to be Spider-Man in this game? Amazing. <laughs> like amazing dude yeah <laughs> i i i agree is so, <laughs> is remarkable is amazing dude yeah they wow. nailed they nailed the web slinging 
Um, the last Spider-Man game I think I played was the the PS2 one or whatever the the last one. The same, the one that was based off of Spider-Man Two. I don't know, man. Wasn't it? Was it Ultimate Spider-Man? No, it must have been PS One. I don't even remember, dude. I have I have like very little knowledge of Spider-Man just in general. I know what's from the movies and I know whatever from these games. Yeah. And I just I think it was PS One. Now that I think about it, um, it was it was janky. Like the old fun. school. Um, I think I know. You're talk- I think that's like one of the most famous ones. Yeah, it was whatever the Activision game was. Like you're yeah. swinging around, you're Spider Man, and like at the time you felt so good doing that. And I've heard the the comparison that this game on PlayStation Four feels like what you remember that game playing like. Oh, and totally. I, I can't agree more. It it just feels natural. It's not like a, a new thing you have to learn. Uh, it definitely has a little bit of a learning curve to it um, in that you aren't going to be perfect at first, but as you play the game, you get way more in tune with how Spider-Man moves throughout the city. And uh, one one attention to detail point I wanted to bring up is his web is always attaching to somewhere. So there's no more of these like webs that are attaching to the sky just randomly and and allowing you to keep moving. Um, every single web that you throw is attached to something, which is kind of crazy. It's it's like there's so much attention to detail in the way that he's moving around the city mm-hmm. because it's not just that he's swinging; he's he's zipping onto different things. He's running on the walls. He's yeah. you know he's pulling himself from different locations together using like the craziest moves, like everything that you would expect. It's there. It's completely there. And it's amazing. Yeah. I want to talk about Peter just as a character in this game. So uh, again, my knowledge is very minimal for Spider-Man, just lore and everything. But I think this might be my favorite iteration of Peter Parker across all mediums that I've seen so far, including Tom Holland and in Spider-Man homecoming. What do you think? Uh, Hands down. (laughs) <laughs> because dude yeah hands down he he really feels he feels amazing he feels like he is definitely what you what i remember reading so much in the comics because i, I did read a lot um right for a pretty good amount of time and there's obviously been some great performances by a lot of great people mm-hmm. uh but in terms of just like getting down to the real like the raw character of who peter parker is and who spider-man is Mm-hmm. Uh, and how they how they do with each other and how you know they live and and their struggles and everything that goes into it um this is easily the best iteration ever it truly feels like it's peter parker and yeah Spider. right and uh he, he's just such a believable character in this i mean if for those of you that don't know this game is set like eight years into spider-man's career uh so he's he's already been doing those things for a while so it's not another origin story um if you were thinking it is which is a, a big relief in my opinion oh i that love we're not, it <laughs> that weren't that we are picking up at a point where he's competent he knows what he's doing he knows who he is to to an extent as a character and he's dealing with more of these like grown-up you know in quotes yeah. grown-up type issues um but still has that that childish um uh way about him at heart Oh yeah, he's just a he's just a big-hearted dude that just wants to do the right thing in a world that's continuously just giving the craziest challenges especially because of what he does. Right. Yeah, so I want to talk a bit about the story, spoiler-free of course to start. 
how did the overall story feel to you as you were playing through it? It was good. Um, it was really good, actually, because it it does some good twists, you know, and for for people that like do know, you know, the mythos of Spider-Man and just mm-hmm. or even just like the general story, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you'll see where you'll instantly recognize it and you will instantly kind of know, like possibly what's going to be happening in the future. Mm-hmm. But because the story is so good and and they make it so emotional, they they really try to get you attached to it. And to, for me, it worked. It really did. And yeah. even though I felt like I knew that certain events were going to take place, at the same time, I hated knowing that. Mm-hmm. I hated knowing what I knew was going to happen was going to happen because I actually really cared for not just Peter, but the other people in the story. Right. And, oh, yeah. And another thing that's just one of my biggest highlights is that everyone actually feels like they're doing something. My mm-hmm. biggest issue with with stories, especially sometimes with superhero stories, um, you have characters in there that are there because everybody knows them and yeah. that's great, but they're not really doing something other than just being that being, character. Right. You know that, I mean? that almost feels like uh, I rewatched one of the original Spider-Man trilogy, the Sam Raimi movies. Yeah. And, and that's how Kirsten Dunst feels as Mary Jane. In yeah. Mary Jane. Like she's just there. She doesn't have any sort of like, character to She's just her the damsel in distress mostly. yeah yeah and and they did such a great job in this game with with uh mary jane and in, in making her into a character that has you know she's more of the um uh what is she like uh she's doing what peter did she's doing like the the, the she loves journalism she's doing the journalism yeah. thing and and she really has like her own story that she's trying to fulfill well and she's really she has her own story arc in here too um, which I won't go into too much detail now, but it, it it makes you care for her as a character and you really care about the relationship between her and Peter. And there's some tense moments that happen during this overall story that you're just so invested in. Um, so, I, I mean, they did a fantastic job. The The whole game is just very cinematic. It felt like I was watching an, an actual Marvel movie at times and I, mm-hmm. I found myself where I just put the controller down and I'm just, you know... Uh, like mouth open just watching the the action take place on the screen and and couldn't couldn't believe certain things happening and uh i just i hand hands down this is uh my my favorite iteration of peter and the best story so far that i i feel like i've seen in the spider-man universe again which is very narrow from from what i've seen but but even then for somebody that doesn't i think i think in a lot of ways it's it's even better for that for somebody that doesn't maybe know like a lot but they Mm -hmm. know a few things i think it's amazing to see when something can blow you away like that Mm -hmm. and knowing that like you feel you feel like you understand spider-man and his world a little bit more after that right and you feel like and you have an appreciation for it whereas i feel like a lot of times people that know it well like like me for example like that know at least a, a good amount can be a little bit more overcritical or be a little bit more, you know, judgmental and not mm-hmm. are not able to enjoy it as it should just be enjoyed. Like this is a story people put their, you know, people put a lot of work into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of just nitpicking at it, like just try to just breathe and enjoy it for what it is. And thankfully, like, I mean, that doesn't even matter because this game is amazing and mm-hmm. it does meet all the expectations realistically anyway. So yeah. Oh yeah, it exceeded mine. I I was very hyped going into it. I mean, when they showed it off, what a couple years, 
all right, well, clearly going to be buying this game. I'm a <laughs> huge fan of the Marvel movies. Um, this is definitely a day one purchase for me, uh, but it exceeded those expectations for me. And and one thing that I want to call out is how well paced the story is. There's yeah. no points where I felt like they stretched it too thin or, um, you know, it, it, there weren't, uh, they did a good job of pacing with side missions and things like that too. Optional, like, you know, you'd finish up a story mission and Peter would say, you know, hey, you know, maybe I should like take a look around the city for a little bit and just kind of uh, check on, you know, Aunt May or whatever. Uh, and so it kind of like pushes you into the exploration portion of it um, naturally and doesn't make you feel like you have to do these side quests if you don't want to. If you want to power through the story, you can go through that. Uh, but for me, like I, I played the game how I wanted to play it and it felt extremely well paced. Um, the only parts that I wasn't a huge fan of were some of the Mary Jane sequences. But, you know, whether or not that's your favorite part of the game, it was still an interesting part to play. And again, kind of further develop that character, too. Now, do you um, mean in terms of like the like the way that the gameplay kind of shifts? I don't I'm yeah. not trying to spoil much, but yes. in terms of the way the gameplay kind of shifts a little bit. Yeah. So I, I some certain times I was like okay with it, and other times I, eh, I don't really want to do this right now. But you got to do it to move the story forward. So yeah. if there's like one piece of nitpickiness I could bring up, it's some of those portions of the story. But um, overall, I'd say fantastic, very, very, very well enjoyed story. Um, I do want to talk about the combat though. The combat is front and center for this uh, next to the story. So the combat system in this game is extremely detailed. Um, and many are drawing comparisons to the Batman Arkham games. What are your thoughts on the combat? So, I mean, it's crazy because the, the Arkham games really did kind of open up a whole new avenue for the way that combat works. Yeah. Even though it's like it was it was it was it made its own mark, even though realistically it's very similar mm-hmm. to other combat games like you know, having squares punch, like stuff like that's always been around, but they did kind of make it a little bit more uh, their own. And I feel like Spider-Man in a lot of ways takes again, that formula, but then tries to twist it to their own instead of it just being like a copy and paste. Like, Mm -hmm. well, we know that they did it well, so we're going to do what they did. Instead, they look at that and say, you know, how can we maybe take something that's similar and adapt it to where it makes sense for Spider-Man. Right. And where it actually, you feel like you're actually using him well and you're using his abilities well. Instead of just punching and kicking, you actually are moving around in a crazy way that Spider-Man would because his biggest, one of his biggest things is just how like acrobatic he is. And you mm-hmm. see that so much in yeah. every fight sequence that you're in. And you have so many different options on how you want to take somebody down. Not right. necessarily just like um, like the, the options that you get within the game, like these little, you know, like, gadget type stuff i'm not going to really go far into that but Mm -hmm. uh even just with like uh different like upgrades that you get throughout the game different types of like old like more upgraded powers that you can kind of switch through it's it's Mm -hmm. there's so much and they all make sense to him as a as a character like of Mm -hmm. what he does and 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 as his powers as well so that's what i love is that it kind of duels that yeah um, very much like Spider-Man side, but it also duels that Peter Parker side in a few different ways, which is really, really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to uh, point out, too, that this it, in in ways it does parallel the Arkham games in terms of combat, but it, it definitely is not, like you said, a copy paste of the Arkham fight, you know, sequences definitely and mechanics. Not. 
it's very much its own and i really do appreciate that they are evolving that that style of that fluid combat that we're like kind of accustomed to now and using spider-man's like you said the acrobatics um one really interesting method of fighting enemies is bringing them up into the air in this game and fighting them in the air and i think that's that's really where his like plethora of these gadgets and things really shine is when you're airborne with spider-man and you bring the enemies up to you that is that is where the combat really shines i think and when Um, you're in like the air like it's so funny to me because if you're on the ground fighting somebody you know there's a chance they can get a hit on you mm -hmm. the minute that you're in the air like all bets are off you're gonna Mm -hmm. die you're you're not gonna die but you're gonna you're gonna lose the fight you know what i mean right right it's so it's so funny to see that. And they'll even say that like you'll be fighting enemies and they'll be like, do not let him get in mm-hmm. the air, like keep him yeah. on the ground. Right. And it's so funny because sometimes they'll say it in like desperation. It's just so funny to me as I'm running around. I'm like, I'm gonna put you in the air with me. Yeah. And, and there's no way you're gonna you're gonna stop this. Um, but then there's also like the different types of gadgets that he does. Like there was a point in the game, not because I felt like I had to, but just because out of pure fun. I was fighting people completely like trying to take them down without even really hitting them because yeah. of the certain things that you get. Yes. And there was many, 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 many times that I was doing, you know, side stuff um, where I would take people out without even like swinging a punch. And it was so satisfying Yes, to be able yeah. to do that. And you'll be taunting them the entire time. Like it's, it, it's so well to his character and it's so like just, it feels so OP, but it does feel like you have to be <laughs> smart about what you're doing because they right. can't mess up. You can totally mess up, you know, uh, not pay attention to what you're doing. You have to know what to use at the right moment. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool when it all comes together and suddenly you just took out, you know, 15 to 20 guys mm-hmm. and they're all covered up in webs. And you're just looking at them like I didn't even I didn't even take a single uh, a single hit at one of you guys. And you're all right. you're all going to jail. <laughs> so yep. Yep. it's so good how it can be so different. That, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't feel like it's just some copy and paste of, mm-hmm. of any other combat style. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. You can really like approach these fights any way you want. You can do stealthy approach portions of it. You can just be on the ground and brawl, um, or you can get airborne and and use the different gadgets. I mean, that opens up a whole different fighting style. Uh, there was portions of the game, I think throughout most of the game, I completely forgot about the l3 and r3 like when you press those sticks in you've got certain like um (laughs) like super moves i don't think i hardly use those throughout the game because i there's just so many different things to focus on the fighting sequences that that i mean i they just didn't cross my like plate of things that i was going to use you know Well, and then those l3 though that option i don't know what you would call that i guess like the form of in a weird way, it's like his super. Not really. Oh yeah, I like call a, it a super ish. Yeah, move. it's like yeah. a super move. But you, yeah. you get you get so many throughout the course of the game, especially right. if you're doing the side stuff first. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get so many, even just like halfway through the game, and it gives you so many options because they're all really different. There's maybe like mm-hmm. two, maybe two or three that are kind of similar, but then yeah. they're not because they do serve a purpose. Um, and there's maybe like one or two that are really more like comedic instead of like helpful but mm-hmm. most of them are completely like just different you know very right. very different in terms of like combat style something that can give you an advantage um mm-hmm. all that and 
uh, it's it's so cool that you could switch out between them, but it's almost like there's so many you don't know what to choose from. And so every mm-hmm. time I unlocked one, I would kind of play around with it and and I would do like side stuff with it to try to see how I liked it. Uh, and there mm-hmm. there's definitely a few that I really really liked and I felt like I took total advantage of, and it was yeah. great. But yeah. the cool thing is like just like how you were, Matt, you don't have to use it at all, and it's still super satisfying. Yeah, and that's the best part is you can play this game however you want and they don't force you into specific types of combat or specific, uh, you know, like corridors for a story mission. Like you can really open up and play this and approach things in any way you want, which is great. Yeah. Um, I want to move into the actual atmosphere of Manhattan. So this game, this, this, the island of Manhattan is absolutely massive in this game. Uh, it feels like it's almost a one-to-one scale of the entire city. And what yeah. I really appreciate is just how alive the city feels. I know a lot of uh, open-world games have these big cities, but they they feel like a game. This one actually felt like a true living, breathing New York City. What are your thoughts on the setting? Uh, I, I mean, I completely agree. It reminds me a lot of um, kind of of GTA in terms of, mm-hmm. in terms of world building and, and the way it is and the way it kind of feels refreshing i don't think it it's quite as alive as gta is in their world uh, but it's honestly probably one of the closest examples i've ever seen like compared to it you know what i mean not many people i'm sorry not many games are able to pull off such a big setting and to make it really feel like there's people really here and i'm mm-hmm. really making a difference you know and right. this game really in a lot of ways pulls that off especially when you're doing like when you're just stopping crime, when you're just stopping a car chase or stopping, you know, whatever it might be, and you hear the people's reactions, uh, especially towards the end, it's mm-hmm. so cool to see that. And people will go up to you, you give them high fives, like you can walk mm-hmm. around and just say hi to people. People yeah. will also be the complete opposite and mock you and tell you how much they hate you and, you, yeah. you know, how much you're the problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Things, stuff like that, it makes you, it feels alive, but then it also helps with Spider-Man too, because it makes you like kind of be more in his shoes. It, I mean, yeah. it helps you understand that, like, obviously being a superhero is never all that it sounds or lives up to be. It has many, many hardships. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of little sweet moments that, you know, make it all worth it. And I feel like they try to put that in there a lot. And it's mm-hmm. so cool to see that. Um, also with the Marvel references, there's a lot of references mm-hmm. yeah. in, in New York as well. Like, obviously, one of the biggest ones is that, you know, the... Um, the Avengers Tower is right there. There's no nothing spoilery about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have it has literally nothing to do uh with anything important in the game. Mm-hmm. It's just like obviously there. And it's so funny because, you know, he'll like talk about it sometimes and he'll mention it, but it's just all like in good fun. But mm-hmm. it's just cool to see that there. And then there's other there's other places that are um very, very obvious, especially now that more characters have become like you know, um, more revealed in terms of like the media and movies, uh, yeah. certain characters that probably people had no idea about it, but obviously do now because they yep. become so popular. You'll see their kind of domain and around New York, and it's so nice because it's not just a funny reference or a cool reference for people that read comics. Now everybody's going to see that and be like, "Oh no way, that's cool!" You know right. what I mean? So right. it, all little stuff like that. It's all about the little things, and I feel like that's what they try to push the most. Um, yeah. Besides just the fact that it looks gorgeous. Oh yeah, it looks incredible with 4K HDR. I'm I was just blown away playing through this. Oh my gosh, dude! I was watching comparisons. <clears throat> yeah. Oh my gosh, it is <laughs> in the pro man. I, I never, I never realized like how 
like how well it really does um, yeah. push performance in terms of like settings, graphical settings, and oh yeah, the way things look. It looks Spider Man looks so so good. Uh, yeah. In terms of how it looks, would you say it's like the best, like one of the best looking games you've played so far? Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, the lighting in this game is is like next level. The shine um, on like the buildings from the mm-hmm. sun. Oh, yeah. The reflections, like every every texture detail in this game is, I, I mean, executed perfectly, in my yeah. opinion. If you have a 4K TV and you have the means to get a PlayStation 4 Pro, um, I 100% recommend that you do um for this game alone for god of war uh for going back and playing oh through uh horizon zero dawn i mean the the hdr aspect is what really sets these apart because you mm-hmm. get this dynamic lighting in the games that is so much more realistic than um anything you know before it basically and and it's it's one of the things that you don't realize until you turn it off and see just how muddy and and discolored certain things are um it's it's very much worth it using the photo mode on on a ps4 pro i mean it looks great regardless but on a ps4 pro use photo mode that's i feel like that's a it's such a good way of seeing how good it looks because Mm -hmm. it captures so much detail and i mean even you were posting stuff up about it earlier this week and and Mm -hmm. just like different photos that you took and it looks so ridiculous like some of the (laughs) Some of the suits that you were in, it's just like, that looks so real. You know what I mean? And you'd never think it possible. Like, it looks so good. And it does. This is easily the best photo mode, too. I mean, the... Oh, so much, dude. They they nailed photo mode. And I think, uh, I mean, they did it in a way that's very much comic booky and spider-man too with a lot of the different things that you can put you like you can border him in uh, a comic book cover and like put your picture in there and add like the little um like you know pow and all that stuff next to it for like fight scenes and stuff so they did such a good job with photo mode and i'm sure by now you've seen stuff all over the internet people taking selfies with spider-man selfies like it's they they what a great like viral marketing campaign for uh, spider-man ps4 it's it's so it's so smart in so many ways. The attention to yeah. detail is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being that this is an open world RPG, naturally there's going to be collectibles, right? So on your way to the platinum trophy, uh, which does require you to essentially collect every item in the game and complete all of the side quests, how did you feel the overall experience ended up as far as collectibles go? Honestly, the collectibles were not an issue and i think Mm -hmm. the biggest reason being even though like i would say like maybe two or three of the collectibles were really just like the finest example of a collectible like something Mm -hmm. that is completely it's just something in the corner and you got to find it um Mm -hmm. but because this game is so freaking enjoyable to swing around in you don't think about that like Mm -hmm. i actually enjoyed having to go find them because it gave me an excuse to just continuously swing and mm-hmm. do as many tricks and parkour flips as I mm-hmm. could possibly do. And I would literally like mm-hmm. challenge myself to make this look as cinematic as possible. So when I'm grabbing a specific thing or I'm looking for a specific place or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, I will literally try to do it with like no mess ups as I swing through, you know what I yeah. mean? And make it right. look so gorgeous. I'm just like, yeah, I'm Spider-Man. I'm getting my, I'm getting this stuff. 
It, <laughs> you can it, it's so enjoyable that it makes these collectibles not really feel like collectibles and the collectibles themselves have some added value to it because it gives you some good um some good backstory considering spider-man is obviously this, mm-hmm. he's in his career at this point he's definitely spider-man not just right. a man who found man who just got bit by spider yeah and one one thing i want to point out just on the traversal and swinging so there is a fast travel system in this game. And the only reason <laughs> yeah. that I used it was Let's because it was required for the platinum trophy. Had <laughs> I not cool needed. Yeah. Uh, had I not needed to do that, I don't think I would have used it, honestly. And, and this in Manhattan is huge in this game. But there were so many instances where my like point of interest was uh, 3000 meters away. And I was like, eh, I'll just swing to it. Like, that's no big deal. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It was just so enjoy it. it yeah, it, it was just such a fulfilling experience to actually swing. And the one thing that I want to relate it to is the first time you throw the Leviathan axe in God of War and it oh, returns dude. to your hand. Like that feeling that you get, that same satisfaction, you feel that same satisfaction swinging through the city as Spider-Man. Like when you nail it and you finally like it clicks with you, you're there's no, no better feeling than just swinging through there. Which I know you mentioned that earlier, like in the yeah. very beginning, um, talking about like, you know, there's a tiny bit of a learning curve, nothing crazy, but it's kind of like mm-hmm. a tiny learning curve. Yeah. That it for me, that helps make it better because it it's not like the other games where you just hold R2 and he's just going to continuously swing. You right. actually have to pay attention a little bit more. And if you mm-hmm. want to go fast and if you want to try to really master it, yeah. you really do have to put in some like attention to detail and see what you're doing and kind of learn how to get these uh, tricks and different movements in motion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you do master it, it feels so satisfying because you're like, I know what I'm doing because I do kind of work myself to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just so it's, it has such a nice payoff. You know what I right, mean? Right. Right. Um, I really do appreciate too, how the game starts you off with the collectibles and then they slowly start introducing new stuff to you. And at no point does it feel overwhelming like certain open world games you open up your map um i mean think of like a lot of the old assassin's creed games you open up your map and it's just like dotted with all these different colored icons of things that you have so to go do many. and collect and you just get to the point where you're like ah, i don't even want to do this anymore they do did a remember, great job mm. do you remember in black and uh did you play black flag assassin's creed black flag did you play mm-hmm. that a lot? yeah 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 do, i, I want to say it was that game do you remember there was like a paper there was like a music it was like a paper and it had like a song on it and they were collectibles. And every time yeah. you saw like one of those pieces of paper, you're supposed to run after that mug. Oh dude. yes. And it would just float away. And you're like, dude, it would just float and yes, float. Yes, and you're just yes. thinking how and why, <laughs> why am I what? doing this? And then you what? get it. And then it's like a nice little like pirate tune, which is, which is fine. Yeah. But you just put so much. And if you don't get it, it's more aggravating because you just spent the last 55 seconds yeah. running completely and trying to parkour along the beat uh-huh. to try to get this freaking music note <laughs> yeah it is crazy dude like that yeah that's it's such a contrast right yes. there you know what i and, mean yeah and that and that feels like a meaningless thing to collect everything in this game has a reason for you collecting it which i also appreciate too yeah um i mean take the the basic like towers one of the first thing that you unlock nothing new to open world games you know you've got your like assassin's creed areas type thing where you go to a tower that unlocks certain parts of the city so you can see what's all around there more. yeah yeah so in this it's basically like the little signal like tower type things and they have their own backstory as to why you have to go out and basically 
reactivate these uh, these towers. So, you know, even something as simple as that, like the baseline thing for kind of a modern open world RPG, even yeah. that feels meaningful and it doesn't feel like a chore. Like when when I got the like the reins off in the beginning and I started being able to open up certain things like I spent probably the first couple hours of the game just going around and unlocking things in the city and collecting backpacks. And and I was like, man, this 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 is so much fun, but I need to get back to the story. I kept having to do that, you know, like I would just go off on these mad tangents where I'm like just collecting shit because it's so fulfilling. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what? I need to get back to missing out. Yeah. So it was again, you can play the game your own way. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, um, I um I I did like how many like collectible items is there? Technically, I think there's like five different groups of actual items like completely so. different items. I did like the first 3 like the same night. Like I basically did what you said. Mm-hmm. I I got I got to a certain part and Peter was like, "Yo, let's, you know, let's check out the rest of the city. Let's make sure everybody's okay." Mm-hmm. Cuz I obviously am supposed to be doing that and <laughs> And I didn't do that because I was completely ignoring crimes just yeah. so I could go get these backpacks and stuff. And I did like all three of the first like collectibles that I had unlocked. I just mm-hmm. did them all like right yeah. there. Yeah. And I will say there is one. I guess there's technically a collectible that's kind of like that music note that involves pigeons. But yeah, it was more funny to me because like I was racing to get that pigeon, but it was more of like I wanted to see how fast I can get it. Yeah. But there's the difference. Like technically you're doing the same thing in that other game. This one was just so enjoyable. You're actually like wanting to go for it because you're just like, come on, make a turn. I got you. I get you. You know, get, you, that, get that bird. Get that bird. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm really interested now to get into some of the end game stuff. So and hear your thoughts on it. So at this point, everything from this point is fair game, meaning there will be spoilers. So if you're listening and you do not want to have this amazing spoiled for you, get past this section. Again, we are moving into spoiler territory here. You have been warned. Also, don't go on Instagram and be looking at those photo shots because yeah, if you dude. do, a lot of times in the comments, people are trolls and they be putting some spoilery yes. stuff. Yeah, dude, I feel really bad because I initially when I got the platinum, I almost posted uh, the final fight with Doc Ock and I was like, oh, shit, I probably should not do that because. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I blurred mine out. I yeah. Blurred mine out. yeah, I had it initially in my Instagram post and I was Oh, I'm going to pull that back. Even though it's a, it was a really dope shot, I have to pull it back. But first of all, I just want to say how fucking cool was it seeing Stan Lee in this game? For whatever <laughs> for whatever reason, dude, I was not expecting him, but his cameo just brought such a big smile to my face. It just made this movie feel more or see? Yeah, it just yes. made this game. It just made this game feel more like the actual MCU, like it's yes. part of it. And you right. know what's funny is that this game is the only I'm pretty sure it's the only Marvel game like in the last, you know, however many, even though there hasn't been many Marvel games, um, mm-hmm. it's the first one that has like the exact same Marvel logo in the beginning, right? With the the comic book and everything. Yeah, it's like I think it's the first one that actually have like the official MCU like logo on it because they're you know they're giving you their stamp of approval like hey you need to play mm-hmm. this, um, right? Yeah, seeing Stan was such a cool thing because then it makes you think like well we know Stan's cameos are going to be here like. It's it's so mm-hmm. great. It's just little things that yeah. are just so cool that don't need to be there, but it's just for the fan service. Like this is a part of what makes these games and these characters and their worlds like so awesome. Oh yeah. Speaking of fan service, um, so a lot of the Easter eggs and unlock game 
coming from the backpacks, which I thought were just yes. a genius move on their part and an absolute blast for me to track down. Uh, I especially loved all the various suits that you can unlock too. What were some of your favorite things to collect? So um, I really liked uh, the backpacks were probably the funnest to like anticipate getting because you, I was pretty interested in what he was going to have inside that backpack. Right. Most of them were some pretty cool, like little nods, even though Mm -hmm. like it's nothing special. It's really not. It's just him going over like the last eight years of his career. And yeah. you see little stuff like his call, like his college piece, or I think it was his mm-hmm. t-shirt, or just like his college shirt in general, and it's like mm-hmm. all stinky. Yeah, and he found like some like some conductive gloves that he used to fight Electro for the first yeah. time, and he ended up using that. that. Cool. Like mm-hmm. neat, neat little things like that are just like they're so fun to anticipate seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I was, I I was okay with the black cat, like finding her um, her kind of like kitties around everywhere mm-hmm. uh it was it was okay like i didn't have a, i didn't have a problem with it i i felt like this game i continuously just challenged myself to try to do things as fast as i could mm-hmm. or like the best that i could which is the reason why i think it's so good because it gives you that feeling and so with this with those black cat ones i tried to do them like i i tried to like do like one swoop and not move my analog stick like try to figure out where it's at before like having to admit like okay well maybe i gotta look again um <laughs> And yeah. I would I would try that multiple times. It was okay, but suddenly it became extremely rewarding when you get to the end and you get mm-hmm. that all black suit. Oh yeah, that all black that suit, suit so sick. is so sexy, dude. Yeah. I, 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 I have like over a hundred. I think I looked um, a few days ago, and it was a hundred and forty like four screenshots, uh, photo mode like shots. Yeah, and I kid you not, dude. There's like one like massive chunk of just like that suit mm-hmm. was that your favorite get, suit i think it's top i think i think it's top five Dude, it's for what, sure top five <laughs> what other suits did you like what were some of the suits that really stood out to you so here's the thing <clears throat> i think i had a biased like opinion though because some of these suits are very very like from the comics like they're totally references from the comics right so mm-hmm. some of them you probably would not understand and then i did not. but if you read the comics cool. <laughs> yeah exactly some of them were cool like i yeah. think there was like two or three that i don't ever think i've seen and i think they just did it i know they made like two or three on their own besides the white spider obviously right um i think there was like two or three other ones that they genuinely made on their own if not i might have just never realized that that was the suit but then there's like a lot of suits in there, like Secret Wars, um, 2099, uh, so many. The armor, the mark, like every iron, um, mm-hmm. like armor suit, those were all from something. Obviously, the Infinity War suit was from the movie. Yeah, um, that was cool. I was a big fan of the Fear Itself suit. I have no yeah. idea where that came from. Is that like a comic book thing? The Fear Itself is the. Uh, Wait, which one are you, are you talking about? The uh, the Ghost was, Rider one? No, no, it was like a, it was like black, with like teal, like teal spider marks, and he had like uh, like these like forearm like glade things. I don't know. Uh, it was Fear like, itself I, is a is a comic book. Like it is okay. a it is like a story arc, but I don't believe I ever actually read it. I just remember hearing about it. Gotcha. Actually, um, I just I looked it up. It looks like it says it was this sweet suit was made by Tony Stark and the dwarves of. Nidalvillier in the Fear Itself crossover series. 
Unfortunately, it was also later destroyed by Tony Stark, but you can relive the awesomeness of the costume in game from Fear Itself number seven in 2011. <clears throat> I just like the way that one looked. I thought that was dope. Yeah, there is a few that are just absolutely um, like amazing for comic book fans because dude, the vent. Okay. The vintage comic books just in general that I, I almost wanted to play the whole rest of the game with that one. Cause that, that you're was talking the one- about the original, like the original Spidey suit, like not yes. the ripped one, just the normal no, dude. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one that was like cell shaded that cell shaded. Oh, one. the animated one. Yeah, bro, that know. one. It just looked so good in the it's world. Just, it's Spider-Man. You know what I mean? You, like, you yes. saw that and you're just like, that's he's he's out of the comics. Like he completely yeah, ripped out of the comics. Um, they did such an amazing job with like the cell shading and lighting on that. It 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 is very weird. It was a bizarre thing to be playing with, but I was yeah. all about it. Oh, okay, I remember the spirit the fear itself now. So um real quick, Noir is comics. Oh, okay. Spider is comics. I actually dressed up as that for Halloween two years ago. Um, Secret War is comics. Uh, let's see, the Spider Armor Arc Three is comics. Big Time is comics. Fear itself is comics. Um, 2099, which is one of my favorite versions of Spider-Man ever, is Dude, comics. That that one looks so good. The black um, one or the uh, white one? The uh, the bluish, the bluish one. Okay, yeah, that one looks. The insane. one with the big red spider on him. Yes. Like on the, yeah, yeah, the white one. The white one I totally forgot about. I don't think I think I remember seeing it once. Um and I don't think I ever read what it had to do with. I just remember seeing like that image of like the like an armored version of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that Spider-Man 2099 is one of my favorites ever. He's not even um it's not even actually Peter in the stories. He's actually from the future and his name is Miguel. I forgot his last name. Um and, and, and I'm not liking mm-hmm. him because he's like Latino like me. I'm just He's really cool uh, as a character. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw they put that suit in there, I flipped because that is literally one of my favorite Spider-Man of all time. That's um, awesome. And then you have the spider armor, the Mark, the Mark four. Yeah. That, that's current. That was in a, uh, it might still be going that, that that's in a comic book series. That's pretty brand new. It's pretty yeah. fresh. It says 2015. Yeah, so that whole suit was so cool when it first like when I first saw the first cover that it was on and mm-hmm. his like glowing spider. I always thought like, dude, if they ever like they got to put that in in like a movie because it still looks like Spider Man. Right. Um, it doesn't alter too much, but you could use like the whole like Stark technology and or or if you just wanted to use it as Peter just making himself because he's a genius himself. Um, and so when I saw that in here, it was so cool. So, so cool. Um, let's see. I don't think the Black Widow was ever in anything, from my understanding. I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. But I loved it because I took 50,000 pictures. <laughs> um, the Homecoming suit, I don't know why, dude. It looks so good. Yeah. Like, specifically, that suit looks so real in the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily think they were just trying to put all their attention on it. I just think... no. It looks good on him, and I think uh, it makes me appreciate the MCU Spider-Man now a little bit yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I have nothing wrong with him. I actually really love Tom Holland's version, even if it's a tiny bit different. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I was swinging around as him in that suit a lot for a moment, and I was like, man, you know, I really... Either this suit, either this game just makes him look ridiculously good in this suit, or I've actually liked this suit more than I thought i did originally because it Mm -hmm. really it was fun to go back to that you have like certain suits that i was 
continuously going back to. Um, yeah. And that was definitely one of them. To be honest, though, it's crazy to me that the classic Spider-Man suit, like the normal one, that not the damaged one, uh, not right, the white right. spider either, the normal, yeah. normal, just regular Spider-Man. Yeah. Easily still my favorite. Damn, that's awesome. I, I don't know why. I don't know why if it has to do with just because like that's Spider-Man to me. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I've read, you know, a lot of different types of Spider-Man and seen different suits, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, but there's something about just like the normal red, like that nice red all mm-hmm. over his body and the mm-hmm. blue. I don't know what it is, dude. Like it's clean. It's so it's just clean. Yeah, it's just Spider-Man. You know, you look at that and you're just like, that's Spider-Man. And yep. you, I played I played fair amount of the, like the first half of the game. With most of the suits, I didn't unlock everything obviously yet, but mm-hmm. like I, I would say, like seventy-five percent of the suits were unlocked at that point for me because mm-hmm. I was doing most of the side stuff first, right? And I played them a lot. I got a lot of screenshots of so many suits that I loved. Um, but at the very like last half of the game, I basically only played with the classic because I think I was playing with the skin so much, and I put the classic on for the first time or the second time, and I was like, nah. <laughs> still still this is spider-man you know what i mean so i would kind of juggle between the classic and the white spider i was kind of making i was trying to make it like a narrative like he was mad at, at octavius so he was wearing his classic suit and then yeah. at the end of the fight i had to put on his white suit because it was like yeah i'm gonna use this we're gonna i'm gonna show him that he can still be good and then of course he didn't even use that suit at the i know <laughs> i did the same thing i was like all right i'm gonna put back on the white spider and <laughs> you then you the get same that anti yeah oh dude so funny that's awesome so funny well, I think uh, it's safe to say that the suits in this game are are very good. I mean, they did a fantastic job art-wise. So nice. And uh, Brian Intihar, um, the creative director, teased that there's a lot of suits that they left out that oh, will I'm be sure. in upcoming DLC. Um, so excited to see that. But I want to also get your thoughts on how they introduced Miles Morales into this game. So that came out of completely left field for me. I know you and I were talking um, right after the game came out about the comics specifically and you were kind of giving me education on miles morales as a character and like how he entered into the comic book universe and stuff and i was like super fascinated on this new character this new like new age of spider-man and then i went home and like literally within the next day or so got to the point in the story where um this kid came in and i was like no shit that's miles that's gotta be miles and oh, I know. Was, I know. It was so um, funny when we, when I was playing it and I was like, I just told Matt about all of this. Yes. And it's so funny because it was like the perfect timing because he basically just got the like the study lesson that he needed to freak <clears throat> mm-hmm. out about all this that's happening. Oh, so that like for me, I appreciated that moment so much more. Yeah, it was just so interesting how they they had him have his own story arc in this game, too. And uh, I guess it wasn't even in, it wasn't the original plan from what I read. Yeah, no, it, they added it like at it was the just end. It's going to be I, like a little like a kind of like a Stan Lee, I think, like uh-huh. a little Easter egg towards yeah. the end that he yeah. was going to be around. Right. I guess that initially they said in the trailers or at the um, the uh, the, the post credit scene was just going to have someone yelling like, hey, Miles. And he was like, turn and face the camera. And like that was all they were planning on putting in. So it's crazy to me that they injected it's so much of his character. Jump. Yeah, and because and, you're basically getting his entire origin story, right? Exactly. So, what do you think that does for the sequel? Because we know there's going to be a sequel. Oh, it's going to be good. Do you think we're going to be playing as Peter and Miles simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to be just playing as Miles? Like, are we going to see Peter exit somehow? What do you think? 
um, I don't, I don't, I can't see them offing Peter Mm-mm. in the next game. I no, I agree. I, as I uh, said that question, I was like, that seems way too soon. <laughs> no, no, no. But it is, it is a good question though, because realistically, <clears throat> like if you know the story, it has kind mm-hmm. of a big deal to that because that's really how Miles gets his place. Peter gets mm-hmm. offed right when, um, right when Miles comes in and it kind of, it makes it way harder on him in a lot of ways because suddenly it's like, he's just some kid and he he wasn't expecting to get thrown all this at him. But Mm -hmm. in this game, I love, I freaking love the fact that Peter's like his big brother. He starts Mm -hmm. in the beginning, like he's just some, like some dude who's just trying to be helpful. And then by the end, He's like a big brother to him. Like they're friends, they're buddies. And um, I love that Miles instantly goes to Peter to tell him like, hey, I got mm-hmm. something weird going on and I need to, I need to tell like you, yeah. right? Because even, cause you know, I mean, I guess the only person he would have told was probably his father. Uh, right. Right. I don't really, it doesn't really give like too much on how close they were, but obviously they were somewhat close. Like it was, just, mm-hmm. they were, they were father and son. Yeah. But it's just so cool that, they're so connected to each other, you know, and it mm-hmm. feels like the only route this could be going is that the next game you're going to be switching off between the two of them, which to me is so exciting, dude, because mm-hmm. I feel like this can be more in a, a better way of, of reaching new territory, right? Because mm-hmm. they're already, they're already reaching new heights with this game because yeah. of what spider-man is and what he can do in this game it's unreal it's like any other spider-man game and mm-hmm. a lot of ways it beats most superhero games but Bes- mm-hmm. uh, you know besides like arkham knight which is the only other game that's been able to do what this has done mm-hmm. um and so thinking about like what's next how do you how do you like up such a game right and mm-hmm. it just makes sense like well you're gonna have two now you know what i yeah. mean you're gonna switch off between two and and they are different people with different sets of abilities, you know what I right, mean? And so right. it's so it just makes me so excited to think about what they could do. And Miles as a character, you instantly love the guy. Like I oh, love yeah. the kid. He he's yeah. so much like, man, I I, I I you want the best for him and you want to see him succeed. You know, even yeah. if for people that may not know who he is, I think instantly they felt that gratification towards him. And mm-hmm. so to see what happens to them by the end, you're just like, Oh my god, yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's shift focus now from the good to the bad. So I want to talk about the villain, uh, which yeah. I think they did a fantastic job with in the game. Uh, Dude, Mr. So good. Yeah, Mr. Negative. So he was in all, a lot of the promotional material. Um, so he was very prominent in their, in their uh, advertising and stuff. But we didn't really see much of the other characters until they really came together in that, that pinnacle moment um, at the prison, right? I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So you saw the Sinister, St- Sinister Six come together. Um, but I, I want to say, uh, Mr. Negative, his story arc was great. His was like kind of the beginning half of the game. Um, but they absolutely killed it with Dr. Ock. I think auto. Yeah, man. From, from the moment you entered the lab, um, I was thinking to myself, uh, is he going to become Dr. Ock in this game or what? Cause I was under the yeah, impression that thinking like, well, yeah. Mr. Negative is the main villain. I, yeah. I guess he's, we're seeing just the beginnings of exactly. Of I was like, and, and this is again, another character that I only, spider-man 2 right the the movie yeah. uh, i don't know him very much as a character and get a lot of his backstory so uh, i i was playing through this game and for a lot of it for most of it 
I was on this guy's side. I felt bad for him. You oh, really, you really get this. Do. You they did such a good job of of conveying this like this emotion and making you really feel like um you know Norman Osborn betrayed this guy by basically like taking away all of his funding and and really like leaving him to rot essentially in this lab and and not really do anything and and you feel like oh my goodness you see this relationship developing between Peter and him and it's this father son thing and um and and the whole time in the back of your head you're thinking is he going to become Dr. Hawk or yeah, not? Dude, like, you're thinking like, gonna am I going to have to beat him up now? Yes, like, yes. And that's what I was saying earlier. Um, yeah. Obviously, we couldn't give spoilers out yet, but you go through the whole time knowing, like, I know your future, you know, yes, regardless yes. if it's this game or the next, and right. I like you, so it sucks mm-hmm. to think, but that's what makes a, a villain good, right? That's what makes a yeah. villain intriguing is not when they're evil, but when you have compassion for them being evil, right. you start to question, like, like even though you're being bad like do i still accept it because you're a great like you're trying to do the best in a really crappy situation and you just happen to be doing it incorrectly right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you start to think like well would i be the same you know and it's you start to think like crazy stuff like that and and it just makes that character so so good and also they never like this was a real plot twist dude because yeah, yes <laughs> yes it I, was they, so um sony or you know insomniac all of them they never they always pushed Mr. Negative, which was so, so smart. Oh, yeah. They, they made did. it seem like mm-hmm. he was the big bad and he mm-hmm. was the dude you were going after. And you didn't mm-hmm. really know much about him. So it was kind of interesting because he was ominous. You yeah. know, and then they, mm-hmm. they push it more in the beginning of the game, I think, if anything, because of the fact that you see Otto and you see Norman and they're not right. the respective, like, evil bad guys. Right. right. They're still their normal, like, alter, just regular people. And so mm-hmm. you're thinking like, okay, well, they're just, they're not there yet. And right. they're putting all the pieces in place. It seems mm-hmm. like Mr. Negative is definitely going to be the way to go. Um, and they completely shift gears. Oh, and yeah. They're like, nope, you thought, you, you thought this game was going to be this way. And it's yeah. not. The, the moment that really shocked me was, uh, you know, you keep going back to Otto for the missions. And you see him slowly assembling the arms. He starts to realize what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, he's initially developing it for people that that don't have like motor skills anymore and and you're like okay it's for a good cause but then you start to see that slight like evil twinge and you're like okay he now wants to modify himself because he's losing what he was like losing feeling in his own hands right was that right he was he was basically he had some sort of autoimmune disease if i remember correctly where basically he was just Mm -hmm. losing his motor functions as well even though it was kind of at a slow pace but it was getting worse right it was getting worse and worse and right. it started to become like i want to help these people mm-hmm. um, but then it also started to sh- shift more to him wanting to help himself yeah and p- that's part of the reason why he ended up being worse in general because of the fact that he wasn't necessary he was kind of ignoring the risk even mm-hmm. though he knew that it could alter his personality you know mm-hmm. sticking sticking his head into this machine um and he didn't you know, he, he he tried to be the good sport that just tried to go for all of it, you know, he tried to yeah. be the kind of the hero in the situation. He wanted to do good and yeah. he wanted to be he wanted to be able to fix this before Norman was able to completely crash it all down. And it instead is crazy how it has like the reverse effect of him actually becoming worse. Right. Because yeah. of it. Jeez, I know when when that scene came where he put put the whole thing on basically and. Um, and was like 
but juggling stuff like juggling those the different like tennis balls or Bro, whatever. don't they make it feel so like when you see the arms like actually assembled don't don't they make it feel so like oh, this is crazy you know what yeah, i mean they make yes. it really they really sell the fact that this isn't just some dude with arms like do you like this is an amazing thing what just happened here it's also mm-hmm. a horrifying thing yes and and peter helped him get to that point like exactly. you're you're like fixing the back end of it with peter's skills as you do those little like mini game things and you're like you're not realizing you're you're like pushing him along towards that fate so it really i mean touche hats off to insomniac for pulling the rug out from under us because totally. again like uh, even me with this very minimal level of knowledge i know this character from the movie and i know who he is and what he what he does and seeing this other side of him was was so interesting because again like you said you really grow attached to this person you're like you know uh this is a father figure for peter and and you care for peter and you care for otto as well and i mean i just i can't i can't praise it enough <laughs> it was it's so good and that final fight was just so good man he's just chucking so stuff at you and you're just trying to dodge it for like all life yeah and, uh by the way that that suit awesome suit uh yeah the, the perk the l3 r3 perk that it gives you for me mm-hmm. was a game changer dude just refill <sighs> refill yeah bro game changer because like i was saying earlier when i was talking about like never never throwing a punch it wasn't really that i was being stealth it's because i would th- go into games mm-hmm. and literally web everybody in in some i would dodge everybody's hits and web them up somehow get them webbed mm-hmm. down to where they're mm-hmm. done Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's way harder when like you don't have that refill ability. You have to basically earn those things back. Right. You get that perk, dude. It is insane how much like damage you can do and how mm-hmm. much you can do when you basically have like such a refill, um, not unlimited, but you get like such a great advantage in your resources. Mm-hmm. So when you got that, especially, even in just that last fight, it made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was definitely necessary because of how many how quickly you're having to dodge and like web him up. He was like just he, chucking stuff at you yeah. like a madman. Right. You needed that perk. But yeah, had that been an actual perk earlier in the game, it would have just been so broken. Oh, so I'm dude. glad that totally. they saved like an OP thing for the end of the game. It felt really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, one other thing that I want to bring up is uh, we, we already talked about the first post credit scene with miles kind of revealing to Peter that he's got these abilities and hops on the ceiling. But the second one that caught me off guard was this whole scene with uh, Norman Osborn going into his lab and seeing Harry Osborn in that tank with the green goopy symbiote stuff. Which What's I totally caught it. I totally, yeah? I, I didn't catch it. I mean, I totally predicted that Harry was in that tank. When you're when you're playing Mary Jane and you go into his apartment. Yeah. And you go into the secret room finally at the end and you uh-huh. hear like the bubbles. I was like, bro, Harry's in there. Like, No way. No way. I was like, he has to be in there because it, made, it just made sense to me like, <clears throat> was in europe but that's not really the case like we we understood that he's sick right like they're doing something to him that's that sounds completely unorthodox and dangerous Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it seems like it's his only option and then you start realizing that there's something in there and you're just like that's either going to be like this weird alternate green goblin some weird freaking monster Mm -hmm. or and or i mean if you want to go really far-fetched it could be like some kind of venom in there or it's hairy and and it just made a little bit more story sense to me that he Norman thought the best thing he could do is lock his son up in a cage, essentially, and try to fix him. 
yeah. you know what I mean? Before he can, before he loses him as well. And yeah, it, it gives a little bit more like for Norman too, even though he is very, very much seen as a dick the entire, the entire <laughs> game, which is true though. Cause Norman's always, he's always kind of like that. He's always mm-hmm. this guy with, even if he has good intentions, he's kind of a dick doing it. And so yeah. uh, it is interesting to see where that all is going to go because there's so much history there. Cause I mm-hmm. was really wondering in the beginning of the game, like where's Green Goblin? Like where's Norman and where's Harry? Because they're huge in Spider-Man's mythos. They're, oh, Green yeah. Goblin, in a lot of ways, is his enemy. That for right. years he's been in in the last like ten, fifteen years. It's been a little different because Venom really took off and a few other characters really took off and that changed mm-hmm. things up for Spider-Man. But in terms of like original, like taking it back, um, the Green Goblin and the Hobgoblin <clears> were <throat> two of his biggest like. Like to Thor, there's Loki. To Spider-Man, mm-hmm. there's Green Goblin. That was very big for a time. Uh, yeah, it still is. I would, I would argue, obviously. Oh, but. I would say so. I mean, look at the very first. Right, that's that's the villain in there is the Green. Yeah, Goblin. and that's that that's what introduced many people to Spider-Man was that original movie. So uh, I I too thought the same thing. I was like, okay, uh, I see Norman here in this game, and he's ominous and he's throughout. And uh, is he going to become Green Goblin at some point? Um, funny enough, during that uh, E3 reveal earlier this year where they were doing the scene at the prison where the Sinister yeah. Six kind of assembles and then that one character comes up at the end. That's and who they, I thought it was. Yeah, I know we talked about it and, and I was like, man, I, I got to get your take. Like, who is that? And you were like, that's got to be the Green Goblin or the Hobgoblin, one of the two. And I don't uh, know why I didn't even think about Otto, even though technically he's the original leader of the... The, yeah uh, the six i don't know why i never right. thought about it i just instantly saw like somebody like flying up to him or something and i was like there mm-hmm. we go there's norman yeah so yeah. when when that happened when uh auto came up over the side i was like no shit dude like obviously we knew <laughs> like we saw that coming but it, it was still it still uh, hurts all like, the same yeah man it was still a pretty pivotal moment like for that for that story so um cool well all right i think we could definitely continue talking forever we're like way over time for today uh, so we'll, we'll put a pin in it but uh, i feel like we definitely got some good discussion in um and a- any listeners if you've skipped past due to spoilers you're safe to come back now we got all the spoilers behind us at this point um i do want to remind everyone who's played the game or not that there are still three pieces of story dlc that will be coming out mm-hmm. um until the end of this year the first of which is titled the heist which releases october 23rd this will be followed by Turf Wars in November and Silver Lining in December. Spider-Man's The City That Never Sleeps DLC costs $24.99, or you can purchase individual chapters for $9.99 a piece. And Brian Intihar, the creative director at Insomniac Games, has already teased some good stuff. He said there will be new suits to unlock, as well as uh, new unlockables and side content to enjoy. So I am super excited. Uh, Adrian, I want to thank you again for joining me today and nerding out. Hey. Uh, why don't you do, let everybody know where they can find you online? So on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, I'm under the same name. It's just A-D-2 and then Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. Um, I also have music out on all platforms. You can look me up. It's just under the name Adrian, but the A's are V's. So V-D-R-I-V-N. Um, and you'll see an album and a few other stuff there. And that's pretty much it. Cool. Thank you. Definitely check that out. The music is fire. Um, if you have any, yeah, if you have any questions for the show, email me at the cast.com. 
I'll answer your questions on the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcast service you listen to in your element on. Uh, Take a moment to drop a five-star review on iTunes or in the Apple Podcasts app. It definitely helps out with discoverability for the show. And as a reminder, visit patreon.com slash in your element to support at any level. And you'll receive bonus episodes early, gain access to the In Your Element Discord server, be eligible for Monday giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and so much more. Until next time, see you later, Elementalists.